Father's Day, what a special day it is. Out in the foyer, we do want to just draw, it's just a simple gift. It's um, um, some food. Men, we know that goes right to your heart anyway, so we got you some food out there. It's a little popcorn, a little snack. If you need to get something to eat during the message, just go ahead and help yourself. <laughs> just, just in case we go a little long. Also, we have a pen out there for you. It says, men of God make a difference. And, and men, when you are godly, when you're going after God, it makes all the difference in your family, makes all the difference in your home, with your kids, with your spouse. And I just wanna say thank you for making a difference and, and doing what you do. Also, I want to just draw your attention to and say thanks again, once again, to all of our volunteers who made Vacation Bible School happen. It takes a lot of volunteers to, to pull together. And I wanna say thank you to our volunteers. Absolutely. You guys make it happen. There were so many kids who came through, so many families that we were able to interact with. Somebody asked me, Pastor, how many salvations and baptisms and people committing to do that um, do we have this week? And I wanna say, we had, we had a lot of kids who were having those conversations. And one of the biggest things that I want to do is I'm very passionate about making sure that kids are making the decisions and that they remember the decisions. And what I mean by that is as a student pastor, when I was a student pastor, we had many, ki- many students who would go to k- teen camp with us. And at, while at teen camp, they would, they would would say, well, I think I did something at Vacation Bible School. We all prayed as, as a group or we prayed with our friends, but they couldn't remember what they did. And salvation is a very personal thing. It is a choice that you make to actually follow Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And so one of the things that we wanted to do is as we had those conversations this week, and there were many conversations that we had, we want to make sure we get the parents involved in those conversations so that we know for sure when the kids come back, the Parents are able to say, yes, I walked them through this. Yes, I know what's going on. And the kids are making the decision and it's not something that's been pushed on them. So I'm not comfortable yet saying how many, what our numbers are until a little bit later so that way we continue to have the conversations and we know that the kids made those decisions themselves. So continue to pray. We also have camp that's going on this week. Third through sixth grade, we'll be going to camp. Again, more spiritual conversations will be happening. So would you please commit to praying? We're still in need of um, uh, 10 half scholarships. That's $90 a piece. If there's anybody in this auditorium who could give at least one half scholarship of $90, um, that would be very helpful, helpful for us. We're looking for 10. Um, if you can do that, you can just mark your envelope and just make, make it to camp. Maybe you can do, maybe you want to do more than just one $90 half scholarship. Maybe you want to do a, a full scholarship, which would be $180 for the camp. Um, we would love to have your help and just make sure we get kids to camp and uh, help them out and make sure that they're going. Thank you for being here. Let's go ahead and take our Bibles out. This is why uh, we came. We came to celebrate Jesus. We came to celebrate what God is doing in our life. And we also come to, to hear the word of God. We want to hear from God this morning. So as we get into it, Numbers chapter 12. Numbers chapter 12 is where we're going to be going. And as you're turning there, I'm going to ask a simple question. You do not have to raise your hand. How many of you have ever been criticized? How many have ever been gossiped about? It's hard, isn't it? Let me ask another question. Have you ever gossiped about somebody? Have you ever criticized somebody? And you're going, Heath, come on, this is Father's Day. That's the message that should be happening on Mother's Day. Ah, time out. See, I know what you're thinking. I already, I saw it. You're like, come on, this is guys. We need to have a manly talk. No, for real, this is a conversation. As we're talking about good sins, good sins, these are the sins that we kind of just overlook and we think that they're okay. Last week, we talked about the white lies. Today, I want to talk about gossip and it's very strategically placed on Father's Day because quite often what we do is this. Maybe we won't call it gossip, but we will call it criticizing. We're being critical. I'm just being discerning. 
We like the idea of being the smartest person in the room. We like the idea of, of what is the latest negative bad news press? We want to argue back and forth. We'll listen, to, we'll listen to Sports Center and everybody gripes and complains about who's gonna win. By the way, I think the Spurs are probably gonna win tonight. <laughs> Figure somebody would not like that. So I'm not gonna talk about LeBron. We'd all start LeBroning and start crying, right? Did you see that? My goodness. Anyway, enough of sports. We like to criticize, don't we? We, we like to criticize back and forth. We like to gossip. We like to share the negative information we found about somebody. Now, we might not do it publicly, but we just might do it on Facebook. Right? I mean, we might not do it to a whole bunch of people, but just a few people on Twitter or just a few people on, you know, on, on a text message. Or we'll just, we'd like to talk. We like, you can't help but even stand in the checkout line at Target or Walmart, and you see all the tabloids, e-entertainment, you see that on the news, and everybody knows the latest gossip about their favorite celebrity. It's just part of who we are. We live in a culture in which gossip has become normal. You can't listen to a talk show, whether it's on TV or on radio, without there at least being criticism of, hey, the government should be doing this. I can't believe the president's not doing this. It doesn't matter what you're listening to. It's just part of who we are, and we all think that we should at least call in and tell Bill O'Reilly or whoever else you listen to on the radio, we like to call in and give all the negative and give our opinion. But here's the question for you. Have we become so immune to it, a sin that we now call good? And that's what this series is about. Well, gossip's really not that big a deal, is it? I mean, let's look at the Bible and let's find out what it says. Numbers chapter 12 I want to give you a story that I don't know. Uh, hopefully, uh, it might be kind of fun for you to see for the first time. Numbers chapter 12, would you stand for the reading of God's word? Here's what we have. We have verse one. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married. For he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your blessings. And God, I am so thankful for how that you have allowed us to be able to celebrate our fathers, to celebrate our dads and what they have done for us and how they've helped shape us and mold us. God, I thank you for the day to be able to celebrate with other believers through words and through songs. And we, God, we just, we, we praise you for how great and mighty you are. And now as we come into this moment, As we dive into your word, God, I'm asking that your Holy Spirit would have freedom in this place. We need to hear from you. So God, I pray that you would speak boldly, speak clearly, and God, I pray that you'd speak right into our hearts so that when we walk away, God, we know that we've heard from you. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thank you, may be seated. So here's your temptation. I'm just gonna lay it out very clearly for you. There's a good chance that as I speak today and as we go through this message, your toes are gonna get stepped on. There's a great chance. And here's the tendency is once you get your toes stepped on, you're gonna back up and say, whoa, wait a minute, that's for somebody else. And you're gonna act like it's about everybody else and it's not about you. Can I just challenge you? Can I challenge you to lean in and press in and say, God, what do you need to tell me today? It's interesting how that we all need this. 
And when you set up, I set up the preaching calendar and it takes, it is usually stuff that I have to work through last year and then I put it in and I plan out the year and I say, this is where we need to go and work through it. And as I put that in, it's interesting how God puts it all together and how it's something that I've had to work through. So yes, as you hear this message, everyone in this room needs to press in and ask God, where is it that you need to speak to me? The story starts off with Miriam, Aaron, and Moses. Let me give you some background. Who's, who's Moses? Moses is considered one of the greatest leaders of all time, but he didn't start off that way. He started off as a little baby. You remember he was Moses who was actually placed into a little basket because the Pharaoh had condemned this mass genocide of all babies two years old and younger to be killed. His parents were trying to protect him. And so Moses, they take baby Moses and they put him into a basket, put him up river. And there was a little sister, an older sister who's around seven or eight or so. She's placed in charge to watch the basket go up river and to watch to make sure that little baby Moses is okay. Miriam is her name and she's the sister, the older sister of Moses. She watches and the basket floats up to a, a bathing area and it happens to be the princess of Egypt. She sees the basket. She hears the baby crying. They bring the baby out and she says, I want to keep this baby. Miriam steps out of the bulrushes. You remember the story? And she steps out and she says, I know somebody who could be the nursemaid. So Miriam has ownership immediately of who her brother is and the protection, right? Of who this child is. So she goes, the, the princess says, okay, go get someone to nurse this baby. So now Moses' mom is paid to nurse, to raise up Moses as he's young. So there's this interaction here. Now you fast forward about 40 years and Moses begins to have this calling on his life and he knows that he's supposed to do something. He needs to help the children of Israel because they're in slavery. He needs to help them break free. He tries to step out ahead of God's timing and he, he actually murders someone. So he has to flee out of Egypt and he runs into the desert. And as he runs into the desert, fleeing out of Egypt, he comes into a land of Midian and there's this feud that is going on over a well. There was some men with their sheep and they have run off a lady and several sisters and their sheep. And Moses steps in and he protects and he fights for these girls who were the shepherds, trying, shepherdesses trying to water their flocks. They invite him back, Moses, back to their house their father's name was Jethro. He was a priest of Midian. And out of courtesy and out of thanks, he says, I, I think you should marry my oldest daughter. So he gives his oldest daughter, Sephora, to Moses to marry. Moses stays in the desert and in that area, working with the sheep for the next 40 years. And then there's this call. You remember the call out of the wilderness, out of a burning bush. Moses, go back. You are now going to speak on my behalf. Moses goes back to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And here's what begins to happen. God put around Moses leaders to help fulfill the vision that God had given to lead the people out. And who did he put around? He put around Aaron to help be the mouthpiece, to help be the spokesman, Moses' older brother. And then he also puts Miriam, the sister, around to be a leader. So these three 
brothers and sisters. Now they're able to lead out and they lead out over the, the Red Sea. They lead it out of Egypt. And now they're out in the desert. And as they're out in the desert, there comes up this point here in Numbers chapter 12. And let's read it again. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. The verb here, spoke against, is in the feminine, which means Miriam is doing the main talking. Miriam is the one who has the the problem. Miriam is the one who's upset. And what is she upset about? She's upset that Moses has married a Cushite woman. Now, just so you can, you Bible scholars who want a little bit of background, um, this Cushite woman, it could possibly be Sephora. It could possibly be her um, in that area. And there's some, a lot of commentators who will go with that. It also could be that when the second, uh, the second part of it, where it says, for he had married a Cushite woman, it is also translated in Ethiopian. So it could be that he had actually married somebody else, Zipporah in Exodus chapter 18. It seems like she might have gone back and not stayed as Moses is taking them through Egypt. So we're not really for sure. There's two different conversations, whether it's Zipporah or whether it's this other woman, we're not really for sure if there's actually two because nowhere else in the Bible do we find that Moses had two wives. So you can't really, it's a hard argument to make, but I just want to give you that information. It doesn't seem like that's the problem. Here's the biggest problem. Miriam is upset that he married somebody and it looks like it's a racial problem. She's darker than, she's not a Jew, she's not a Hebrew. So Miriam, the older sister, she's frustrated and she's mad and she's upset that her brother is, has married somebody who's a non-Jew. Now, time out, does that sound that big a deal? I mean, she's, she's speaking against. So what she does is she finds something she's mad about and now she begins to talk about it. Now she begins to, to gripe about it. Now she begins to criticize it. Are you following this? She disagrees. So now she begins to criticize and then she begins to get other people involved. So she tells Aaron and then in verse two, it says, and they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not also spoken through us? So here's what happens with gossip. Follow along. We we find something that we disagree with. We find something that we're, they shouldn't really be doing that. And we we get frustrated with it. And as we get frustrated with it and we, we don't like it, Then what we begin to do is instead of looking through rose-colored glasses where everything's perfect and everything's good, now we begin to look through black shaded glasses where everything's a sin, everything is wrong. And now we begin to see everybody as the problem. And now we begin to look for more problems because we disagreed with this one thing. And now we begin to, I can't believe they did that. And here's what they begin to criticize. Moses, he's really not that good of a leader. Moses, he, he shouldn't be the one just hearing from God. Doesn't God speak to me? Miriam begins to ask the question, God speaks to you, right, Aaron? Yeah, God speaks to me. Well, God, God speaks to me as well. And they begin to argue. And here's what happens with gossip. Usually, as it begins to grow, you never stay with a single problem. You always begin to talk about everything else that's negative, And you begin to let it blossom and bloom. And it begins to grow bigger and bigger. And they ask the question, God speaks to other people, right? Now, question. Just, let's just interact. Do you think that they have really done anything that bad yet? In your mind? Because there's a good chance you were probably sitting back going, well, that doesn't sound that big a deal. I've criticized people before. I've asked the question. Here's, let me, let me show you something that Proverbs says. It says that we actually like gossip. Why do we like gossip? Proverbs 18.8 says this. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. 
We like gossip. Why do we like gossip? Because it tastes good. Think of your favorite dessert, whatever that is, your favorite dessert, whether it's a, a chocolate truffle, maybe it's German chocolate cake, maybe it's haha, homemade vanilla ice cream with peaches all over it. Oh, I mean, what is that? What is your favorite? You just think about it and how that you just enjoy tasting it. Maybe it's Ghirardelli chocolate, uh-huh, right? And you just, you just sit there and you're going, man, that just tastes so good. As long as it has the caramel in there or maybe it's the raspberry, whatever it is for you, your, your favorite morsel and how that you just enjoy tasting it. We enjoy gossip because it tastes good to us. And we like to hear the negative. Why do we like it? Maybe it's because it makes us feel like we have power. So we tell something about somebody else and it makes us feel like we have power. You see, I'm better than them. I don't do that. And so it gives us this sense of I'm better than somebody else. Or maybe it's something like this. Maybe it's more like I want everybody to know how smart I am. So I'm gonna talk about the negative. Did you know this? You know, I have the gift of discernment. Have you ever heard somebody like that? I have the gift of discernment. And because I have the gift of discernment, I need to share with you what I see is going on. And then they proceed to tell all the negative and they want to make sure everybody else knows that they're the smartest person in the room. Just because you see the negative and talk about it doesn't mean everybody else hasn't seen it. They are just more spiritually mature than you because they're not talking about it. Maybe it's like this. Maybe you like that gossip sandwich. So, I'll give you an illustration out of my life. Here's how it works. People ask me questions like, hey, what do you think of pastor so-and-so? And so I do a gossip sandwich. You ready? Here's how it works. I would say, well, I think they are doing a great job. They're a great leader. Good. Then I'm gonna gossip about them. But I don't think they really handle the Bible that well. Gossip. And then I put back on the back end another part, good comment like, but I think they're doing a great work for God's kingdom. You ever done that? It's a gossip sandwich. It makes me feel better about myself, but I, good, gossip, good. Why do you gossip? Because it tastes so good. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. You ready? Matthew chapter 16. Or Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 and 37 says this. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak for by your words, you will be justified. Did you hear that? Let me, let me help make sure you're real, real clear. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your, pers- your personal savior, he's your Lord. You have the get out of hell free card. You didn't earn it, Jesus gave it to you. You're, you're going to heaven. But once you get to heaven, there will be, listen, there will be a day in which you stand before God for every careless word that you have ever spoken. And most of us don't ever want to talk about that because we think it's okay to criticize, to gossip, to talk about, I'm just helping somebody and we just talk and we just talk. But right here in Matthew, you and I will give an account. I won't give an account for my wife. I won't give an account for my kids. But Heath will stand before God and there's no excuses. And I will give an account for what I've said. You see that? Just in case you're still not totally convinced that God, this, what they have done so far is wrong, let me give you another, Proverbs. Go all the way down in Proverbs. We're gonna put it up on the screen. Proverbs chapter six, verse 16 through 19. There's this passage that says, there are six things that God hates. 
And yet there's seven that are an abomination. And so you start reading it and you go down. Let me show you the very last part. Verse 19, a false witness. This is what God hates. A false witness who breathes out lies. Now watch. And one who sows discord among the brethren. What is gossip? Criticism. Ready? Watch. It's sowing discord and it's sowing negative thoughts, sowing seeds of doubt. I'm not really for sure that they're able to be the leader. That's what Aaron and Miriam were doing. I'm not sure Moses is capable of being the leader anymore. And they're sowing seeds of discourse. Why does God hate this? Have you ever wondered? Real simple, you ready? Where there's unity, the Holy Spirit is able to move and work among people. Look at Acts chapter two. You wanna see a church that's on fire for God where the Holy Spirit's moving? It's when the church was together in one accord. And once you see a church and a people who are together in one accord, all of a sudden you see the Holy Spirit invade with power. But when there's division, when there's disunity, when there's griping and complaining and criticizing and tearing apart, what you'll find is this, God's hand is removed and God can no longer work because his people are fragmented. He hates it because discord is running rampant. Okay, so now I've shown you. Now let's go back. Now watch what happens in Numbers chapter 12. You ready? Numbers chapter 12. So they're griping, they're upset. Miriam's upset about who Moses has married. Maybe she's jealous. She could simply be jealous. I was the main lady in Moses's life. I don't know. I don't know what it is. She's upset for some reason. It's racial slurs. They can be whatever you want it to be. We're not fully sure, but she's mad. She's upset. And now she begins to get other people involved. And now she begins to criticize Moses's leadership. And as she does, then look what it says in verse two. Did you see how the verse ends? And the Lord heard it. Do you see that? Just in case for some reason you didn't hear Matthew, now you can hear it here. Whatever you speak, the Lord hears it. And you can't get away from it. You can act like it's okay, but you can't get away from it. So the question for you and for me is this. The Lord hears it, so what? Do you think anything bad's really gonna happen? I mean, come on, they just criticized who he married. They just criticized his leadership. They just criticized saying, hey, God's spoken to us too. Who does Moses think he is? He's not really that special. Why is he in leadership? Why aren't we have more power? Yeah, they haven't really done that much, have they? Would you, have, would you do any kind of major punishment on Miriam or Aaron right at this point? Probably not because we have done this and it's so common in our lives, right? But watch what happens. So God speaks up. Verse three, it says, now the man, man Moses was very meek, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. Just for fun, who wrote the first five books of the Bible? Okay, Moses wrote the first five books and you gotta find humor every once in a while as you're reading through this stuff. Moses wrote the first five books. That includes the book of Numbers, right? And so either Moses wrote that he was the most humble and meek person in the, in the <laughs> either Moses did that, that's kind of funny. Or it's somebody who was, as they were compiling all of the things that Moses wrote, they added this in as a commentary saying, Moses was meek. I'm not for sure. Either way, we know it was inspired and brought in and kept and preserved for us to read because it's gonna highlight what's about to happen. So he's the most, verse four, suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. So God now speaks. Come out, you three, to the tent of meeting. Can you imagine getting that call? Hey, boys, let's go shoot, this is not gonna be good. 
I mean, the voice from heaven, now come on out. I'm going to meet you. Come to the tent of meeting. So all three of them come out. And as they get out there, now God calls the two of them, Miriam and Aaron, step forth. Oh, man. He says, come out, verse five. And the Lord came down in a pillar, stood at the entrance of the tent and called Aaron and Miriam. So they both stepped forward. And he said, hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in visions. I speak with him in a dream. So God does say, he, he validates something. Your, your, your question was, does God speak to other people? Yes. If there's a prophet, I'm the one who reveals. I give dreams, I give visions. God is saying, I do speak to people. You're right, I do speak to people. But you're false in the next step. Watch what he says. But not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth. Clearly, not in riddles, and he beholds the form of the Lord. He goes, time out. Guys, you misunderstand something greatly. I've called Moses, and I've set him apart. I've called him, and yes, you're right that I speak to other prophets, and yes, you're right, I speak to you, but there's something you need to clearly understand. That when I called Moses out, when I speak to him, I'm the one who called him up to the mountainside, who hit him in the cliff and allowed him to see the back part of who God is, who caused his face to glow because he's been in the presence of God in such an amazing way. I'm the one, when I speak, I speak clearly and Moses writes and he's seen the finger of God, write the 10 commandments. He's seen me and I talk to him unlike I talk to anybody else. And God then says, how dare you? Speak against him. You think your gossip's okay? You think your criticism's okay? How dare you? How dare you bring that? You're destroying God's work. And look what he says. Follow through. So would you think that this is gonna be end well? So the anger of the Lord was kindled, verse nine. Verse 10, the cloud removes. And behold, Miriam was leprous like snow. Can you imagine the fear that had to pass over them at that moment? Leprosy is not a curable disease. She was terminally ill at this moment. Leprosy was not a disease that you would want because soon as you were contracted, soon as you had it, Everybody could tell, and you were cast outside of the fellowship. You were dismissed from your family. You were dismissed from your homes. The farthest you could stand, you could stand, and maybe you could wave, but to everyone, you were really considered dead, the living dead. You were no longer a part of the community. You were no longer a part. You were outside and cast away, and then you would have to endure the pain of your skin falling apart, your arms falling off, and always having pus coming out of your bodies. Now, okay, just ask the question. Try to put yourself in Moses' position right now. What, were you, what would you be doing? Sweet God spoke. When somebody has criticized you, when somebody's gossiped about you, and all of a sudden it comes back on them, is there some kind of, oh, whew, way to go, God. Look how Moses responds. This is amazing to me. So Aaron, he's, oh, he's going, oh no, verse 11, don't punish us because we have done foolishly in sin. Verse 12, let her not be as one dead whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes out of his mother's womb. He's talking about a stillborn child and the flesh of being gone. Verse 13, Moses cried to the Lord. Thank you, God, for vindicating me. Doesn't say that, does he? 
Look what Moses does. He says, oh God, please heal her. Just to speak to somebody who's been gossiped about or criticized. The Lord's the judge. And Moses does something amazing here. He believes and trusts in the sovereignty of God. And he doesn't feel like he has to fight for his character or for who he is. He lets God do the fighting. And when God shows up, instead of rejoicing when his enemy has fallen, what does he do? He prays for her. Oh God, give us a heart like this. That when people criticize and when people gossip and they try to tear down, give us the heart to be able to pray for them and pray God's blessing on them. Do you see the humbleness coming out of Moses? So here's what happens. So God answers verse 14 and said to Moses, if her father had spit in her face or her father had rejected her, despised her, showed her that she had done wrong, punished her, would she not be set, set outside the camp for seven days and then been brought back in? So Miriam was shut outside the camp for seven days. And then the people set out after that when Miriam was brought back in. So God heals her. Do you think gossip is serious business with God? Do you think a critical spirit is serious with God? So here's what I wanna do to make sure that we have application and we can walk out of here with something helpful. Let me give you three questions. Write them down, pull out your your bulletin. Make sure you write these questions down because I think these will help you as you walk through this. First of all, here's your first question. The first question is this. Am I, are my words going public? This is a great question for us to ask the question, am I going public? Am I going public? Am I making private matters public? Proverbs chapter 11, verse 12. Whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. The question becomes for you and I, am I going public? Am I going public with information I should not be going public with? Am I going public? Am I telling others something that's not their business to know? Maybe it's the question like this. I've heard people try to excuse their gossip and they'll say this. They'll say, well, if they were right here, I would tell them the exact same thing I'm telling you. (laughs) And then they proceed to gossip. If you would tell them and they're not present, then shut up. You're crossing the line. You're moving outside of what God is calling you to do. You're called to live at a higher level. You're going public with something that you should not be going public with. If they're not present, you shouldn't be talking, period. Maybe something that we, let me take it into a, a little bit more. This, again, I told you I'm gonna step on toes. If I haven't stepped on your toes yet, just wait, I got two more questions. If I have, and you don't like what I'm saying, you can go public with it <laughs> after the sermon, all right? Um, let's just talk about prayer meeting for just a second. Can I just talk about that? Let's just be real honest. When we have an hour blocked off for prayer, and we spend 45 minutes to 50 minutes talking about all the details of people, and then we only spend 10 minutes in prayer, That's the reason we're lacking power in our prayer. 
You wanna see a church radically transformed. Take 10 minutes, get the names of who we need to pray about and spend the next 50 minutes on our face before the living God. You don't have to know all the information. Even in counseling, I'll be real honest. In counseling, when I sit down with people, I don't wanna know all your junk. You're going, Heath, you're a counselor. You're supposed to do that. No, I'm not. I don't need all the junk. All I need to know is kind of where we need to go. And then here you go. It's God's business to work in your heart and life. You're going, Heath, that's, you're not a very good counselor. I don't want to know all your junk, but I do want to help you. And so let's get to the root. Let's get to where we need to go. And let's begin to pray for people. Let's change our prayer meetings. And let's quit going public with information that we shouldn't be going public with. Number two, you ready? Next question. Number two. Are my words bringing life or death? And my words, are my words bringing life or death? Then Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Did you realize that in your mouth, you have the opportunity to either create life or create death? to bring somebody down, to discourage them, to hurt them, to hurt them in such a way that it paralyzes them and they don't wanna go forward. Or you, in your mouth, in your tongue, you can create life. I've watched as I've talked with couples and as we walk through stuff, and I I came across a little strong a minute ago, but as I talk, I enjoy helping people. And as we help people, it's crazy how that one spouse will go out and as they go out, they begin to post on Facebook all the information about their spouse and they create death and they create gossip and they create hurt and pain because they're not willing to keep their mouth shut. Life or death? Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, 29. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may be give grace to those who hear. Let me help. You ready? Just because you are discerning and just because you see problems doesn't give you the authority or the right to talk and speak out loud. Your words, one should be truthful Watch this, but they also should bring life and be helpful. And if they do not build up, then you are not using truth properly. Did you catch that? We excuse our gossip because we feel like we, we got an okay to talk about it because we're telling what we see as truth. But if we're not building up, it violates and you've separated and you're dissected the scripture so that it fits your own needs and your own context. You have never been called to just tell truth. You've been called to speak words that give life and build up and encourage. And if that person is not present, you should not be talking. Okay, if I did not step on your toes on these two, there's a good chance this last one will get you. The last question is this, you ready? Are others sharing gossip with me? Now, this is where it gets tight and it gets hard. Maybe I'm not sharing it, but man, I like hearing the latest news because I like trying to be that peacemaker or whatever we wanna call it. Proverbs chapter 17, verse four, an evildoer listens to wicked lips. A liar gives ear to mischievous tongue. It's guilty by association. It's this idea that if you're listening to the negative, you're listening to the gossip, you're listening to the criticism, you are automatically put into the same lump. You are wicked because you enjoy listening to the lies. You enjoy listening to the criticism. If somebody is willing to talk about you, they're also, or talk to you about somebody, they're also willing to talk about you. 
If they gossip to you, they gossip about you. It's just part of life. And I want to encourage you. We have become very complacent as a nation, as a people, with this loose-lipped speech. Maybe God is calling us to a higher standard. And maybe this good sin is really not a good sin. And maybe it's something we need to do. Come and repent and say, God, help me to keep my tongue correctly. So here's what we need to do. And here's how we're finishing. Today, if you have been loose with your tongue, you've gossiped and you find yourself going overly critical, just repent. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive you. Let's confess and let's ask God to help us this next week to know when we've crossed those lines. Number two, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, this is a fantastic day. You say, hey, I just feel guilty. I feel disconnected from God. The beauty is, is what we taught all week long at, uh, at Vacation Bible School, the ABCs. A is what? Admit. Admit that you've sinned, admit you've done wrong. B is what? Believe. Believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for your sins, rose again, proving that he could. And C is confess. Confess Jesus as your Savior and Lord. If you're willing to do that, that is salvation. A, B, C. Admit, believe, confess. Maybe that's where you need to start today.